Hello everyone and welcome to the Nordic Football Podcast. Um, we're here to preview the Altsvenskan season 2020. It's um, obviously taken longer to arrive than uh, we ever thought it would, but uh, here we are. It's going to be back on uh, Sunday, the 14th of June. And uh, I'm joined by uh, our resident Swedish expert, Jonathan Fadupa. How are you, my friend? Hello, everybody, and hello, Steve. How are you? Um, welcome to season 2020, although we're midway through 2020. Six months into the year, we're finally about to preview the season. All Fence Ken is ready to go. Hopefully, we are in a COVID free world and everything can go off safely and healthily. But yes, after many, 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 many months of waiting, literally more than half a year waiting for the new season to start, uh, we've had friendlies, we've had games played behind closed doors, we've had all kinds of stuff since the season ended in November 2019. Um, so finally, we're ready to go. There'll be no fans. But we are here to take you through what should be, a, at the very least, an intriguing season. And it will certainly be um, unique, I think, this year. That's one thing to say, definitely say, isn't it, Steve? Absolutely right. It's going to be very different. And um, let's just go through a few uh, basics then to start with. Uh, I'm guessing it's very similar to Norway in that we're going to be going midweek weekends, midweek weekends for quite a while. We don't know um, the full schedule uh, right, right way through till uh, what, November or December yet because I know we're waiting on UEFA, for example, to when we're going to fit in uh, th those competitions going forward. But I'm guessing it's going to be pretty hectic in terms of, uh, you know, say midweek weekends, uh, Jonathan, in uh, in Sweden. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be hectic. The season is beginning this weekend and then from, from pretty much then on, it's going to be full on amount of games, like you just mentioned there. We've got European football to deal with as well. So you've got Eurogarden, uh, who will be who are the champions, of course. They will be in the Champions League at some point. Uh, we have no idea what the Champions League format is going to look like. Obviously, we've got Europa League teams to consider as well. You know, will the qualifiers even take place? I think UEFA have got a date of August cutoff to start the qualifiers or something along those lines. And some of the leagues may not even be finished by that point. So there is a potential. Um, that qualifiers, who knows what UEFA will decide. They have a meeting next week to decide how the qualifiers are going to work, if they're going to work at all. Um, would they even be waived maybe and done on coefficient, which would be a crushing blow for those teams who've qualified for Europe, of course. Um, the finances, of course, are more important than ever now, uh, I think. And that, I think that's going to be a major discussion in this podcast and it's going to be a major impact uh, on every single team in the league. Can they, can they survive um, past the year? Can they survive the season with their current squad? Uh, we've had player cuts, we've had salary cuts, we've had um, games with no, we're going to have games with no fans. We've got TV deals in jeopardy. We've got all kinds. Um, it's an uncertain time in the world in general and Swedish football is no different. So obviously it's going to be a very challenging season uh, for teams. Uh, no fans in place. We've already had uh, a, mass, a, a strong delay to the campaign. I mean, financially, we know football is going to be in trouble across the whole globe. Uh, specifically in Sweden, how do you see this being a huge issue? Uh, could some clubs uh, be struggling to survive even? Yeah, I think that's the first place to start. It's the only really real place to start is how is it going to impact, you know, how is COVID-19 going to impact Swedish football? Um, we'll obviously talk about each team in this preview. We're going to, you know, dissect every team and give our predictions for the league. But I think there's a massive asterisk on, on each prediction, really, because um, all of it is predicated by the fact that it is a matter of survival this season for clubs. And I, when I say that, that is not even an exaggeration. Um, I think we've seen in England, you know, there's potential for teams to go bust. 
And although I'm not saying teams will go bust in Sweden, um, they're obviously bigger. You know, this is high level. This is the top division. There is still the potential that teams are going to be in significant financial difficulty. Um, for example, you know, AIK's director, Bjorn Westrom, has described, described it as the biggest recession in modern football history. Um, they've been in talks to about player cuts. I think they've agreed to um, cut some player wages and staff wages and that kind of thing. Um, so, you know, that's one club. Uh, Henrik Goitem came out and said that that's what they need to do. It has to be done, a collective decision. You know, I think in general, um, Scandinavian teams and clubs are quite fair-minded. So there is a sort of a social responsibility that's born, kept in mind from these teams. Um, it's not been like the Premier League where everyone, or in, in English football where everyone, every, it's every man for himself. Um, with the league decisions and that kind of thing. There's been a bit more of a collective. Um, but teams are definitely taking wage cuts. There's been massive, you know, we'll talk about each team individually, but, you know, even just now to name it, I mean, EFK Jotobog are one club who are potentially looking at maybe not being able to survive the season with the current budgets. Um, they're going to have to maybe sell players. I think this this season is going to be all about pretty much surviving and selling players. So I think we're going to, the impact of that is I think we're going to see a more unpredictable league. Um, don't forget, Sweden didn't actually have a lockdown. They continued with <clears throat> no, um, you know, no lockdown, and they are now in a worse situation than probably most countries in Europe because they they kind of tried to ride it out, but they've had continuous rise in cases. So although they've had distancing and that kind of thing, there's no actual lockdown, and and the numbers are not, you know, ideal at the moment in terms of if you compare it to other European countries so there is that thing to worry about you know when will they actually allow fans back if at all and um, whereas for example in spain they're already talking about fans coming back into the stadiums at the end of this month um so the landscape's a little bit different in sweden that we could end up with a whole season without fans for example um or at least a good few months and that's going to impact every single team as i've said so you know the teams who like i said ef core for example were a team that i thought might do fairly well this season and now they're looking like a team who are going to have to sell some of their main players just to survive. And there's a lot of other teams like that in that sort of situation. So, um, yeah, COVID's definitely going to have a major impact on, on the league this season, I think the destination. And, and really, I think this is almost a pause year where the general consensus is let's just get to the end of this season and survive and sort of go from there. So I think we'll have a very unique season from that point of view and it won't have that same sort of um, competitive edge to it maybe. Yeah, very well said, and I think that's um, you're absolutely right there, uh, Jonathan. It's going to be uh, a year for somewhere. It's just about getting through it, um, you know, in one piece. Actually, surviving as a club, really. So uh, I guess it's time to talk about the um, the teams uh, specifically, and we'll start with last year's defending champions, uh, your garden. Um, magnificent, uh, epic title decider on the final day, which seems uh, such a long time away now, but. Um, Jorgen, how do you see them doing? Can they defend their uh, title, do you think? Yeah, well, the, the way we normally do this podcast is we we do we predict every single position. Um, I think we're going to do that again, aren't we, this year, Steve? So, um, mm. obviously, starting with Jorgen, I don't know if you want me to give their position now, or do you want me to just talk well, about it? Might as well go into the position now. Okay, but do you want me to start with the champions, or just start with it? Uh, so, I, mean, start I think we're winning them. We'll start with Jorgan as they're the defending champions. Okay, yeah, so the defending champions, uh, they have been tipped by the media to finish third. And to be honest, I I did my table and I'm in exact agreement with them. Uh, I think they will finish third. So I think they'll be a little bit um, lower down this season. 
give a bit of context to that. I mean, yeah, last year, fantastic season. You know, first time they've won the league in over a decade. Um, on the final day, you know, who, if you cast your mind back to that day, I mean, I was in Spain at the time watching it, you know, from a balcony in Tenerife day. Uh, with a, you know, a nice little uh, drink in my hand. Uh, it was like 28 degrees, uh, watching the final day of the season. I don't think if you'd have told me, you know, six months later, I'd have been in my house for three months. Uh, I would have believed you and there'd be a global pandemic. But um, yeah, remember, everyone can cast their mind back to that incredible end of the season when Eurogarden took the title by one point, um, two nil down at North Shopping and then came back to draw 2-2 two, two and secure the, the league title. Um, two issues mainly. And I think, the, the, the you know, I actually had them lower down than third, to be honest, when I started the season previews. But... And the reason for that is essentially they, they've lost some key players, and I really think they are key players. They've lost Mohamed Bouyatore, uh, who was obviously on loan at the time, an absolutely fundamental part of their title win, the top scorer. Um, that The man who can break that press, you know, who can break in between, in behind teams, um, playing on that shoulder, uh, a really all-action sort of striker, gets in people's faces. He had a huge impact up front, and I think he will be badly missed. Um, so I think that is a, a problem for them that they haven't, based on their signing so far. I don't think they've really solved it. Then also they lost their captain, Marcus Danielson, who's gone to China. Uh, he's been slightly unlucky because he's left to China and then not been able to play. Um, he's been sitting around in his house. There was even rumours he might return to Hugh Garden. Uh, don't know how that's going to play out, but yeah, essentially they've lost two really, really key, like fundamental parts of their squad last season. So that is a real challenge. Uh, the reason that I could be optimistic about Hugh Garden uh, and the reason that I sort of... Um, bump them up a little bit up at the table and who knows they could still they could well challenge for the title who knows if they can get the blend right but um the reason i'm confident about them is i think they've got the arguably the best management duo in the league kim bergstrand and thomas lagerloff i think they proved themselves last season with their title win um their sort of tactical fluidity their ability to change formations um to get the team the best out of each opponent against each opponent they also you know had really good wing backs in witchery and um and, um, you know, they had the fullbacks played really well. They've still got those players. So I think a lot of it depends on how Bergstrand and Lagerloff solve this puzzle. How are they going to get the best out of um, their new signings? Kalle Homburg from North Shopping is an experienced forward. He's going to probably have to um, replace Bujature and Emir Kujovic as well. How are they going to get the best out of them? That is the key question. Yes, I mean, I did notice that... Um they sold uh, Danielson for uh, 5 million euros, which is quite a significant fee, isn't it? Um, uh, for, for Swedish football, I'm sure that money will help them out in this period, uh, for sure. Uh, that management duo, we've talked about them many times on this podcast, and uh, it still staggers me that it actually works, but fair play to them. Um, do you see any changes tactically, or will it be pretty much the same? Uh, well, they were quite tactically fluid last year. I mean, they tended to operate in a 4-4-2 four, 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 or a 4-2-3-1. Um, they could also switch to a 4-3-3 when needed. A lot of that relied on, as I mentioned, the fullbacks were so creative for them. Uh, you know, Witchery and Elliot Shesh, they're going to be key again this season. Um, with no Danielson around, they're going to have to sort of rely on maybe Una Larsson a little bit more. Um, and they got some new signings as well. So, you know, Eric Berg, come, Eric Berg is going to have a bit more responsibility as well as a centre-back. Um and then they've got a few new signings. Obviously, Curtis Edwards came in last season. He'll probably be relied on a little bit more this season to, to contribute. He was good last season, but I think he'll have a little bit more of a part to play this year. 
Uh, they signed the Zambian international Emmanuel Banda from Ustenda in Belgium, uh, centre midfielder, 22 years old. He's got some potential from what I understand. Uh, and then, yeah, as I mentioned, Kale Homburg and Kujovic are going to be the men to, to lead the line, really. I'm a little bit worried about that. Um, they've also got a player called Edward Chilufia, another Zambian, who's a young 20-year-old attacker who I think could have a, a part to play this season. Maybe he can be relied upon. But I just, you know, I'm not sure if they've got that uh, firepower that they might need. I think Buya, missing Buya Torres' goals is, is massive. You know, that's what, I think he scored 18 goals last season, roughly. Um, 15 or 16 at minimum. So, you know, and bear in mind they they won the league by one point. They 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 still they were of the top three last season. They scored the, the fewest goals, 53 goals. Um, so if you take sort of 15 to 16, 17 out of that, that that's a lot to make up for. Can Keller Holmberg be the man to do that? I think he's an okay player, but at North Shopping, I've never really thought he's top class. So I think there's a quite a lot of pressure on him. He's 27 now. This is a big move for him. Um, but then don't forget there's no fans, so there's no real... So from one point of view, you could say there's no pressure, but, you know, the pressure to lead the line for your garden, I think, will be higher than at North Shopping. And it will just, a lot of it will rely on how he does. Do you think... Um, and I don't want to kind of talk bad of them uh, because the champions are the champions, but do you kind of think they really overachieved last year? It felt like they got the, they got the absolute maximum out of that squad. Uh, you know what I mean? And that would be hard to, to repeat. Is that another reason why you think they're kind of just going to drop down a little bit this year? Yeah, I think it's spot on. I think they they they, they weren't expected to win the league. Um, Malmo were expected to win the league or maybe AIK uh, were the sort of two favourites. Jurgen uh, came from nowhere and they were just fantastic. They they really, but it was a triumph of management in my opinion. They didn't. I don't think they necessarily had the best squad. I think it was a triumph of management, like I say. Um, they found the answer in every game for every opponent really uh, only lost four games uh, had a good defensive record only 19 conceded which was you know really way better than hammerby or aik even who don't forget the season before aik we were talking about them and their incredible defensive record well your garden topped it last year aik conceding 24 to your garden's 19 they won 20 of their 30 games drew six always came up with answers but what it was was their squad is their squad just found a way in every game, it would be someone maybe different in their squad. It wasn't necessarily always Buyatore. They they found answers when they were needed. Sorry, Buyatore got 15 goals last season. Um, my apologies on that. So, you know, you take out those 15 goals. Um, then you had sort of really key contributors in terms of assists. You had players like Jonathan Ring. Um, you, you know, they found answers when they needed to. And my worry here is, like you said, they've squeezed the maximum. You know, don't forget Marcus Danielson was like player of the season, one of the players... Um, Olspenskan Defender of the Year, he's gone now. I think that's massive. So there are some answers, like I say, for, for the two managers to come up with. Um, I know they're very well coached, so that's why I think they'll be still top three. But I think it's going to be hard for them to sort of retain that title unless they maybe can reinforce um, maybe, you know, as the season goes on. But of course, we're in a situation now where there's not much money to go around to sort of re reinforce if they need to. So maybe that's affected them as well. You know, I've got one final question about your garden, and I'm probably going to ask you this quite a lot throughout the podcast at certain intervals. Um, they only had the fifth best home record last year, um, still won 10 out of 15 games, but with no fans likely until at least September, you, you would probably think. Um, how big of an impact is the playing behind closed doors going to be for them specifically at their, their stadium, do you think? Uh, yeah, enormous. I think the bigger the club, the worse the effects will be. 
this is going to be a fascinating question for anyone, I think, in football in general, all around the world. You know, what is the impact of playing behind closed doors? There's been some studies in the Bundesliga to suggest that already away, um, like dominant home teams are not performing as well at home as they, as they are expected to do. Uh, I think the percentage of away wins is up. So that suggests to me that, you know, already the impact of home games is, is maybe reduced. And when you're a club at Eurogarden with a 30,000 stadium capacity, uh, you know, and, and in general, you've got the, one of the best attendances in the league, that's going to have an impact. They've got fantastic fans. They travel as well. I mean, the scenes at North Shopping when they won the title, there were fans on the pitch um, dancing for joy. You know, a real, you know, a fantastically well-supported club. And that's from that point of view. And I think that's going to hamper them. But the funny thing about it, Steve, is that you've got the flip side to that, which is, you know, maybe there's some players who haven't play, played that well in the past, who maybe with a bit less pressure on them on their shoulders, you know, maybe the fans not getting on their back. Maybe they come out and, you know, show something. This could be the year we find out which which are the players that really thrive under pressure and which are the players that maybe shrink a little bit. You know, if, if we start seeing players coming out now with no fans in the stadium, who have also who have been quiet before, maybe that says that you know that maybe they prefer less pressure. Um, so you, you may end, you know you, you always hear about training ground players, you know players who are unbelievable in training, and then on, on the day they just don't do it. Maybe there's going to be one or two of those that we find in the, in in the leagues across Europe this year, and, and in Sweden in, in this context. Um, so you never know; it's going to be interesting. I mean, I know I, I spoke about it before Abuja Toure, for example. I just he's not the same player to me playing behind closed doors. You know, Abuja Toure thrives off you know, energy from the crowd, he's a bit he's aggressive, you know, he likes to sort of interact with the crowd, engage with them, you know, he'll tell them to shush or, you know, that kind of thing. He likes that sort of um, pressure. Other players, they shrink a little bit. So it's going to suit some some players and it's not going to suit others. And I think um, I think the one thing to definitely say is Eurogarden playing in an empty 30,000-seater stadium is is, is going to, it can't be an advantage, can it? No, I totally uh, agree. There, it's going to be a hindrance uh, for them uh, potentially. They're well, they're well supported on the day, aren't they? As well, um, so you're not predicting them to win the title. <coughs> for Doug, uh, prediction for your guy in his third. Uh, so, which team are you predicting to win the Arsvenskin this year? Let us know. Yeah, well, I've been deliberating this, about this for a while. Um, I've even asked around a few managers that we've had on the podcast in the past, and it, at the moment, it's a split. It's a split split decision between two of them. I think this is going to be the defining um, talking point of the season, potentially. And it's a very interesting backstory as well, which we'll touch, it, touch upon in a second. But my pick to win the league this season is, and um, yeah, I, I, you can flip a coin to be honest, because I really I can't say it with any confidence. But I think I'm going to go for Hammerby this season. Wow, big call uh, for Hammerby. The title, if Hammerby, Hammerby were to win it, it would be uh, three straight years the title stays in Sweden, in Stockholm, with three different clubs. That would be pretty sensational, wouldn't it? Um, now, last season, they, uh, well, they were in the mixer, weren't they, on that last day? Uh, so they haven't got an awful lot, lot more to, to make up. Um, what do you think um, Hammerby have got extra this season to get them over the line? Two words. Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Yeah, and this is an important part for for those who were listening, who uh, who may have seen stuff about Zlatan. Um, the uh, statue of him uh, outside Malmo was uh, tarnished recently. Um, 
because basically he's invested in Hammerby, hasn't he? Um, how much of a, an impact do you think that is going to have on the club? Yes, I mean, let's put it into context here. So, as I said, I'm not 100% confident in this prediction. I think it will be literally a toss-up between the two. I think there's there's so many different factors. Uh, I don't see a clear favourite. Last season, obviously, the league was decided by one point. I could see us maybe having a similar situation. So I'm not by any means suggesting that Hammerby are sort of going to run away with it. Um, I think, you know, I've got Malmo in second and I think they could equally win it. I'm going to just give a few sort of pros and cons to this argument and then, and then you know, give my, my final um, verdict. So, the, the you know, why would I say Hammerby? Okay. Uh, as you mentioned there, Zlatan Ibrahimovic has purchased a 23% stake in Hammerby. Um, you've mentioned the statue and that is going to be a running, I think that's going to be a running thing this season. I think that's going to run on, you know, Hammerby and Malmo aren't naturally really, I mean, they're enemies, but they're not, you know, you, you wouldn't maybe necessarily link the two of them, but um, that Zlatan statue since, since, um, since Zlatan bought the stake in, in Hammerby, that has gone down badly. There's been toilet, toilet bowls, uh, toilet, toilet seats chucked on this, on it. It's been sawn into pieces. Someone cut his nose off. Uh, they saw the nose off. They've had to now move the, the statue. Um, every single week, it seems like it's being defaced. Um, Zlatan's been called sort of traitor now to Malmo. Malmo fans are furious. Um, but the simple fact is he's bought into the club and he's bought a stake. I, I don't know why, um, re in terms of why not Malmo, but uh, obviously an opportunity came about when he was in America and he decided to to do it. Now, for me, the big, big question, the big reason that I've gone for uh, Hammerby, as I said to you, is Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Now, if if you can guarantee me that Zlatan Ibrahimovic will not sign for for Hammerby this season, then I'll probably edge towards Malmo. I'd say I'd say we're literally the season could be decided on him. So why would I say Zlatan Ibrahimovic to Hammerby? Can it happen? You know that's been talked about all preseason. Can it? Will he sign for Hammerby? Will he sign for Hammerby? Will he return to Sweden? He's out of contract at AC Milan in 18 days. When this when this month ends, his contract with AC Milan ends. Now, we're in the middle of COVID-19, you know, traveling is difficult, international travel maybe is an issue, you know, who's going to take him, who's got the finances to take him, does he go back to MLS, you know, he's a highly paid player, he's 38 now, you know, he's not, he's not in his prime necessarily, or does he think to himself, you know what, let me return to Sweden and, and have a swan sort of, a club that I own a part stake in, you know, he's got an, in, he's got an invested interest now for Hammerby to do well. Um, he was fundamental to the signing of one of the players, which we'll talk about, who's in my 10 players to watch this season he was fundamental to that signing which gives them another boost uh, and Nigeria, a young Nigerian that we'll talk about shortly um, and I just think that if he I think there's a, a fair chance he signs for, for Hammerby for half a season maybe and if that happens it's a game changer it's an absolute game changer for Sweden I think it would be brilliant I think it would lift the league and I think the league needs a lift I think it would be fantastic news for us as you know fans of, of the league um, so I want him to come back and I think if he if he comes back, it changes everything. He is a born winner. Um, I was covering the league in, in France when he signed for PSG, and he single-handedly transformed PSG into what they are today. There's no nobody can change my mind on that. Uh, PSG were a sort of disorganised club. They had a grand ambitions of being kings of France, but really they were bottlers. They were not considered this sort of winning machine. They were unprofessional. Um, Zlatan came in from day one, and he brought the professionalism that elevated them to the to the next level. And, he, and as far as I'm concerned, he was the man that led the pathway for PSG to what they are today. Um, he was the architect. 
he went to Manchester United and he completely transformed Manchester United. I know he was old and unfortunately he got injured, but he was the architect of that Europa League win. You know, he brought that dressing room energy um, that, that led to that Europa League win. And obviously Manchester United won a few trophies with Mourinho at that time. Haven't been the same since. Uh, I think he is a born winner. And if he was to go to Hammerby, it's a complete game changer. Like I say, there's reports coming out today uh, saying that in Italy, there are rumours in the newspapers that he will, he's, he's warming to the idea of joining Hammerby. And as far as I'm concerned, if he does, it's game over and it's title for Hammerby. Yeah, I mean, obviously that would be a massive part of uh, for Hammerby if he was to get on the field for them. But let's talk about the players that we do know that's in the squad already. Who are Hammerby's uh, big uh, performers going to be this season? And have they lost anyone of significance? Yeah, it's a good question. And uh, of course, we have to look on on um, the players on the pitch. And that, that's what I said about pros and cons. I think the cons from that point of view is 38 goals conceded last season. Uh, only one league title in their history, 2001. You know, they're generally considered bottlers in in, in um in Sweden to, to a certain extent, you know, AIK and Eurogarden fans listening to this will be probably laughing at the idea that they could win the league um, and maybe rightly so. But, you know, I, that's what I mean. I see parallels with, with Zlatan at other clubs. You know, is he, if he came in with his 23% stake and, and he brings that professionalism, it, it, they, it's a different conversation. Um, but yeah, in terms of who they've signed and who they, you know, who, who to look out for, uh, I think we're going to talk about him shortly, but Akun Kinmi Amu is meant to be an exceptionally highly rated Nigerian youngster. Um, I've had very, I haven't seen much of him myself, I'll be honest, but I've had very good reports from what I've heard uh, from people I trust. Um, Zlatan had a major part in his signing. He's a forward player, 18 year old, and he's one of our 10 to watch this season. A fantastic prospect by all accounts. Um, they've signed Paulinho, which uh, this is a little bit controversial because Paulinho left Hacken, and don't forget he was one of the Top scorers in the league uh, over many years. He's he's Hacken's all-time top scorer, and um, he left the club and went to a sort of a random team, and then suddenly turned up at, at Hammerby. Uh, I don't think he didn't go directly from between the two, so I think that you know rankled a little bit with uh, Hacken fans. But of course, you know he's a he's a, a big signing. He's getting on a bit now, but uh, a good signing. And then they've got a few other names that they've sort of brought in. Um, they brought in Gustav Ludwigsen, who got 23 goals, 14 assists in 60 appearances for Orgrita. Um, He's been signed by Hammerby. They've brought a young player called Louis Bayer Jr. from Ivory Coast, under-20 international. Um, they've got a few players that they've brought in that, that could add to the squad. Uh, obviously, Abdul Khalili now is back in, in, that, in that mix. Muammar Tankovic was highly expected to leave and go to Italy, but that hasn't happened now because of the COVID-19. Um, you know, all expectations were he would leave this summer obviously the league hasn't started so he's he's still around and he was arguably the best player in the league last season um don't forget how exciting they were to watch 75 goals uh, broke the all-spence record in a 30 game season for for goals scored um you know their, their manager billborn has got a good blend there of attacking talent so from that point of view that's why i sort of look at them and think they've got got some ability but um you know in terms of predicting them for the title i just think there's latin factor is is what could decide it and Obviously, we can talk about Malmo's pros and cons um, now. Yeah, I mean, it looks like Malmo are going to be the obvious uh, other contender right up there. And uh, I mean, in my personal opinion, they were the best side last year. They didn't win the league, but they played the best football. 
Um, you know, they, they dominate so many games. I mean, they, they seem to absolutely trash all the garbage teams in this league very, very easily. Um, you know, they don't just beat the, the poorer sides 1-0, do they? They put quite a few goals past them. They do a very professional job. But, um, you know, you're predicting Malmo second. Um, what have you got to say about them uh, during this long off-season? Uh, what changes have taken place? And, uh, you know, they're going to be right up there. What are the big names to look out for? Yeah, so of the managers, all Svenska managers that I, I quizzed, um, a good number of them picked Malmo. And some of them said maybe Hammerby, but there was a lot more conviction about Malmo. Obviously, Malmo, they've gone two years now without the title, which is unacceptable from their point of view. Um, you know, the 20-time champions, they want the league title. They are going to do everything they can to get it. But they've lost Uwe Rosler. And like you said, they, they narrowly lost out on the title last season. Um, but on their day, they were very good. The question mark for me about them is their new manager, Yondal Thomason. Now, that is where my question marks come because they've got a decent squad. Um, what do I like about Yondal Thomason? Well, of course, you know, many people might remember him. He's a Danish, former Danish international. He um, played at Newcastle United, AC Milan. You know, everyone can remember his lanky sort of, um, you know, forward man role. Um, a great player in his, in his day. But what, what, you know, what do I like about him? Okay, he's brought in a lot younger squad. Uwe Rosler was always against playing um, youth, always went through experience, and there was a lot of good young talent at Malmo that sort of disappeared and, and went off on loan or went away, didn't get chances. A good example of that is Adi Nalic, who went to AFC Eskilstuna, had a fantastic season, wasn't trusted by Uwe Rosler. Um, the, the, the positive side for Malmo is that they, those players are back now. Um, so Anna Armer Hodzic has been given a new contract. Uh, anyone who watched my football manager save, he was one of my players at Oist. Um, he's back now, uh, former Nottingham Forest man as well. He's only 20, 21. He should start more games this season. They've got a youngster called Hugo Anderson who played 27 games for Trelleborg on loan last season. He's back now. Um, he, he said in an interview he wants to break into that first team. That's his aim. They're both 21. That's a bit more, a bit more youth, which they need. Uh, as I mentioned, Adi Nalic, 22. Uh, they've got a young player called Pavle Vajic, who's 20. And, um, you know, players like that, Samuel Adrian as well, who's 22. He's coming back now. He was at Kalmar last season. Um, unfortunately, he did his cruciate, but he's, you know, he's another one who'll be in that mix. So the average age has come down. Um, Rosler was against playing those sort of players. So I like that. I like the fact that they've got a bit more, you know, youth in that team, a bit more um, homegrown players who they can look to and maybe create a new Malmo. They've lost Marcus Rosenborg, a massive player for them. Obviously, he's retired now and become an agent to some of the players at Malmo, in fact. Um, so I like I like that. Uh, I think they needed some fresh blood. They've got a lot of over 30-year-olds. Don't forget as well, they were two penalty misses away from winning the league last season. If they'd scored that penalty against Eurogarden, um, when they met each other, they'd be champions. Obviously, missed the penalty. Um, Guillermo Molines was responsible for a couple of penalty misses that if he'd put those away, they're champions. But what, what don't I like about them? Okay, so my biggest question mark and why I say, um, why I've picked Ham Hammerby just to edge them maybe, I've got big question marks about Yondal Thomason, if I'm honest. Yeah, and uh, I had a similar sort of question mark regarding the Rosenborg manager in um, in Norway last year. Um, but, uh, I mean, I've been looking at um, their, their ins and outs and uh, you're right, it's a lot more youthful now, isn't it? And I'm guessing this... Malmo are the sort of team who have a big squad 
and that's going to help them out um, in, in a year like this where you're going to have to rotate around. And I was also I was going to ask you who is actually going to be on penalty duties because uh, that has been a huge, huge issue but for Malmo uh, going forward. Yondel Thomason himself, um, do we know much about his style? Um, you know, uh, historically, do you think he's going to be attack-minded? I mean, we suggest going the more youthful route. Um, at least he's going to have a go, isn't he? Or... Uh, does his lack of experience uh, go against him in terms of uh, challenging for titles here? Yeah, well, you know, um, the first thing to say is obviously they had, they had the highest, um, you know, they had, they had some really good good, good metrics last season, uh, which we'll talk about in a second. But yeah, Yondal Thomason. So, you know, Mama had the highest expected goals last year uh, in the league and they were one of the best teams for expected goals against as well. Uh, in fact, they were, the be they were the best team for expected goals against. Um, so, you know, by all by those sort of metrics, they should have won the title. And Uwe Rosler, people have, you know, he was criticised, to be honest. Uh, I saw his team, I saw his Fortuna Dusseldorf team get absolutely battered by Bayern the other day in the Bundesliga. And I was sort of looking at him and thinking, <laughs> funny one, you know, and he, he'll go down as a failure at Malmo because he didn't win the title, which was the expectation. Um, maybe slightly harsh because it was so narrow, but that's the way it goes at Malmo. Massive club, massive expectations. But I think Thomason is a strange one. Um, if you look at his experience, okay, he was Danish assistant manager. That was his most recent job in football. But his most recent actual managerial job was in 2013. That's seven years ago uh, at Rode JC in the Netherlands. You know, and there he averaged less than a point a game. You know, he's he, he's had one other managerial job in the Netherlands as well, where he was okay. He was assistant manager also at Vitesse after that. You know, but does he have the experience to take on such a challenge at Malmo? Now, don't forget Malmo are... They're in they're in a pressure situation here. It's not like they're, they're they're champions and you can sort of come in a younger manager, have some time to adapt. They need the title immediately, as you said. This if it doesn't go to Malmo this year, it'll be three seasons. You know, in Stockholm potentially, that's just unacceptable to a club like Malmo. Um, and so there is pressure here to get coming flying. You know, they've lost Rosenborg, as I've said. He was a dressing room leader, and there's little signs of tension already at Malmo that that do worry me. Um, I'll give you two examples. Number one, Romain Gore, who's gone to your league, Steve. He's gone to he's gone to Starbeck, I think. He's in Norway now uh, on a season-long loan deal. Now, he fell out with Thomason immediately. Um, and he's actually come out and had some pretty critical comments of, of Thomason, which is um, interesting. He, apparently, the reports were that he refused to go to the game. Uh, he mentioned that there was no communication from Thomason, that he was, he was treated you know, um, quite badly. In fact, he said he didn't talk to me, that kind of thing. Um, so he was out the door and Romain Gaul, in my opinion, although he had a, a bad season with under Rosler, it seems to have got even worse. Now, maybe that's his own problem. Maybe it's his, you know, um, own expectation on the field, you could argue. But he was such a talent that gives Sunsvall that I'm worried about the inability for Malmo to get the best out of him. Um, you know, usually top talents should thrive in that sort of situation and it's not worked out. Maybe that's his own problem. But the other thing that worries me is Rasmus Benson. Now, he is a veteran uh, player at Malmo. You know, he's in his 30s. He's been there for a very long time. Now, the fact that he has fallen out with um, the 33-year-old has fallen out with Thomason as well, that worries me. Now, apparently they had a sort of a, an argument in, in pre-season um, about sort of something happening on the training field. Um, Bengtson was supposed to be one of the captains of the, of the club, but then uh, apparently they didn't speak to each other. He was forced to apologise. Uh, sorry, Romain Gaul had to apologise for... for um, missing a team meeting there's all sorts of little you know 
Bengtson was not happy about things that are happening behind the scenes. Um, he missed training and then he blamed that he had an injury, whereas Thomason claimed that maybe he didn't have an injury. There's just these little things going on that are a bit fishy to me, let's put it that way. Um, and so I just think the inexperience of Thomason is a, is a major question mark for a team that really does need to be united if they're going to come back and, and win the title this season. Um, obviously, they've signed two players. Isaac Kizatellen uh, from Anderlecht um, is on loan. He's a big player and, you know, he's a striker who should be expected to maybe um, score goals. He won the league with Malmo in 2014. And Ola Toivonen returns uh, from Australia. He's obviously a Swedish international, 14 goals for Sweden. Um, very experienced forward, formerly at Sunderland, Toulouse, Rennes, etc. So those are the two that will be leading the line potentially. But um, yeah, my only question mark there is, you know, how is Yondal Thomason going to manage this squad? Yeah, my final question here with, with Malmo, uh, to put it simply here, which two players have got to perform and have uh, stellar years if they're going to win the title? Well, I was listening to our season preview last year and I remember you had Joe Ingeberger, you weren't a massive fan of, <laughs> but not him, not him. Um, I think I would say, I mean, if you had to name two players that need to perform, obviously Anders Christiansen, who's one of the best players in the league, um, the midfielder. He needs to be on form as usual. He's just turned thirty. He's turned thirty now, so he's you know getting on a little bit in his career. Um, he'll need to perform. And then I think yeah, like I just said, the two the two strikers, Kisatellin and Toivonen. Um, not only are they going to have to replace Marcus Rosenborg's goals, but they're also going to have to replace Marcus Rosenborg's character. Um, a massive, like I say, dressing room influence. He'll still be around the club because, as I mentioned, he's signing up half the Malmo team as an agent. Um, so I think he'll still be around, but in a different capacity. Um, you know, still got quality players who had Bacharoon, Oscar Levitsky, Trousterson, you know, Soren Reeks is getting on a bit now. But uh, yeah, I think Kisa Tellin, Toivonen and Christiansen will be their main mentor to contribute if they're going to win the league. But I do expect big um, uh, influence from the likes of the young players, Adi Nalic. I think he, if he come, he could emerge now as a top player from Malmo, potentially he's got his, he'll have, he'll have his chance. And I think the strike, the centre-backs as well, Arme Hodzic and uh, Hugo Anderson, I think they'll get their chances. Benson, as I mentioned, is 33. Maybe he, as he's fallen out with the club, maybe, you know, might not get as many opportunities. Lassa Nielsen's 32. So they've got a little bit of an older back four. Maybe those two will come in. So, um, yeah, they've got a very good squad. They're very professional, but two little factors, as I mentioned. One, can Thomason handle this big expectations? Is he a good enough manager? And then obviously number two is how are they going to cope with no fans in the stadium? Yeah, well, let's move on to, uh, to Aikor, the champions of a couple of uh, seasons ago. They actually only finished four points behind uh, your garden last season, but at times it felt like, like they were um, a miles away, you know, and certainly in terms of the goal scoring, and that is the big question uh, regarding uh, Aikor. Where are the goals going to come from? They had just 47 goals last season. Compare that to Hammerby, he scored 75, the likes of uh, your garden Malmo, certainly well into the 50s. Um, and I mean, do you consider Aikor a title contender? Are they a dark horse or are they just not as good as them them top three? Well, I've got them in fourth. I think um, I, I deliberated. I had them in third for a little bit, but then I sort of reconsidered it. And I, th I think um, I think fourth is probably about right. I think maybe they maybe they could do better. Rickard Norling has you know got a, a bit of pressure this year. Maybe I think there's a little bit of pressure on them to sort of improve 
there's been a lot of talk in pre-season, even even towards the end of last season when the season was still going on, there was a lot of talk about this being sort of a new era coming up for AOK, um, new tactics, you know, new players, new sort of maybe younger team. Um, the need to sort of regenerate it was talked about a lot at AOK within closed doors and that kind of thing. Um, and I think they've gone for that, but uh, I think COVID-19 is going to affect that, to be honest. I think I think they'd have been a lot more active um, in the market, potentially, if they if, if, if this hadn't hit. Uh, they they brought some players in early, the likes of um, Ebenezer Afori, Ghanaian midfielder, who I think will go well. Um, Paulos Abraham, we talked about on the podcast from Bromma Poikina, very, very highly rated 17-year-old, um, but probably a bit early to rely on him, although he's got talent. Uh, they brought in Eric Otieno, who's a, a left-back, a Kenyan left-back, who I think is quite highly rated. He's 23. Um put in a goalkeeper as well but I think I think they would have been a little bit more active if if COVID-19 hadn't hit to be honest I mentioned to you they've taken um, pay cuts uh, the squad collectively so I think that's going to impact them on and I think the regeneration that they wanted basically is is, is has been hampered by everything that's going on um, and then obviously they've lost some players Oscar Lina we talked about uh, he's gone to Germany of course um, and then a few others as well so they got injuries as well, which is a problem. Like Otieno, as I mentioned, the left back they signed, he's now got a serious knee injury. And uh, Nabil Bahui, who was probably going to play a key role this season, you know, he, he, he looks like one of being one of the key men. He got an injury. Uh, he may well be back within a couple of months, but, you know, he's in rehab at the moment. So, yeah, I think I think fourth is probably about right. They've obviously lost Tarek El Yunusi as well, um, which is a big loss. So, Take your pick, really, with there, okay? I mean, fourth, fourth could even be generous because they will have people behind, coming up from behind them. Um, their defense is not as good as it was last season, uh, sorry, as it was, you know, in previous seasons. So, yeah, um, I think fourth is probably about right. I can actually give a little bit of insight into Ebenezer Afori. He, I watched him at MLS with New York City FC quite a few times. A good box-to-box midfielder. He's got a decent long shot on him, actually. Watch out for a few rasping drives from him if he's allowed to do that with Aik. Or some reason, Patrick Vieira never warmed to him uh, enough at New York City. I would have personally played him more. I think he'll go quite well. You mentioned Oscar Lerner left. Um, it just feels like that incredible backline defence which won them the title in 2018. It's all but gone now, hasn't it? Um, it just feels like a shadow of itself. But they're still going to be probably quite a negative team under under Norling. They're never the greatest watch, are they, Aik? Or, I mean, tactically, they're just hard to break down a lot of the time. Yeah, tactically hard to break down. Very, very much uh, a team where you're not going to see many goals uh, traditionally, certainly in the past two seasons, you know, under 2.5, that kind of thing. Um, like I mentioned, there, there is this aim to sort of regenerate them and, and, and maybe build a more exciting uh, team. And they do have some exciting players, as, a, as I mentioned. Um, you know, another one that I haven't, I haven't really talked about at the moment, Robin Teehee, he's a, a young 17-year-old who's a, a defender who's meant to be quite highly rated. Um, you know, as I said, Paulos Abraham has got a lot of potential. Uh, they've got a lad called Saku Iliatupa, who's a 20-year-old who used to be at Ajax. Um, he's sort of might come through this season. Nabil Bahui, you know, Rashidi, Bilal Hussein. Uh, Afori is, like you said, highly rated, and I think he's expected to be a top player in the league this season, you know, and he could have a big influence. But, um, yeah, like you said, I think there's just a lot of question marks, and I think they're, they've are they been a little bit hampered by by, by COVID. And, and don't forget, they're going to have no fans as well. The teams who have no fans are going to be 
impacted for sure. Um, just from the point of view of it's a, it's a massive change to their advantage at home, isn't it? Especially in a league like or Svenskan, where you've got some teams who've got 30,000 and then you've got some teams who've got 2,000 or 3,000. Um, so they lose that advantage. Can the players step up? Maybe it, maybe it liberates them with no fan expectations. But yeah, I just think they, they're they not quite what they were in that team that won the league. They've still got, obviously, Sebastian Larsson, those kind of players. Um, but for me, there's a lot of question marks about, about the squad. Yeah, fourth place finish for a call there for, from you there, Jonathan. Um, to round out the uh, first half of this uh, preview, we're going to be talking about Norshipping and Hecken, who were finished uh, fifth and sixth last year. Yeah, well, don't forget last year, I predicted Norshipping win the title. So um, I got that wrong. And um, I did. Oh, like yeah, yeah, we can't forget that one, can we? <laughs> I did like Norshipping a lot last season. They had Jordan Larson, who's gone to Russia and, and is doing really well as well, by the way. Um, and I think if he'd stayed, mate, who knows? Maybe they'd have been closer to the, the title, but he left mid-season. Um, uh, there was a lot to like about Norwich Shopping, but it didn't quite work out. They, they started the season poorly and they were playing catch-up ever since from then on, really. Um, yeah, I think, you know, I've gone for, yeah, as you mentioned, I've gone for Hacken fifth, Norwich Shopping sixth. You could swap the two of them. You know, you could flip a coin. Um, in, in the case of, in the case of uh, should I start with Norwich Shopping or Hacken? Uh, whichever one you want let's go hacking this time okay so in the case of yeah in the case of hacking i've got them fifth uh, i think they are a, a developing team i like a lot about their squad and uh, there's a lot to like about hacking in general um you know but there are issues um you know they don't have the biggest stadium in general anyway so they from the point of view of fans their average attendance is sort of three four thousand you know they're not they're not a massively supported team in Gothenburg and Hissingen, although they have a loyal fan base. You know, it's not a massive fan base, so they're not going to miss out in that point from that point of view. But they're a real family club, so I think you know, maybe you could argue to a certain extent they'll, they'll miss out. Um, I do like the look of some of their signings. I think they've got some exciting young players as well. Um, but I think they're massively hampered by the the finances. The Gothia Cup obviously is not taking place this year. We talked about last season on the preview preview podcast how much money that generates for them and how much, you know, just clout in general that generates for them. I think that's a real shame that, that you know, it's not been able to take place. It's a fantastic youth tournament, one of the biggest in the world. Um, and they finished sixth last season. So, you know, the question is, can they, can they sort of develop uh, and, um, you know, go from there? Now, what, what I'd say in terms of the negatives is Paulino is a massive loss, a club icon, really, maybe one of their best ever players, you could argue. Um, huge fan favourite. You know, really, really good Brazilian player. Uh, getting on a bit now, so maybe his impact will be not as huge. But I think losing him to Hammerby is a sort of a psychological blow, to be honest. Um, but having said that, there's a lot to be positive about with with Hacken. I think they've got a very nice um, blend of players. Uh, they've bought one of your men, haven't they, from Norway, Sodland? I think you'll tell me about him in a minute. Uh, we talked about him on an earlier podcast as well. But um, he signed from uh, Rosenborg, experienced striker, and he's he said like, why can't we win the league? So he's obviously aiming high, um, and I like that. I like I like characters in the team who have high ambitions. So that's something to be positive for 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 Hacken fans. Uh, they've got Yessi Tuominen, who's a two-time title winner at Barte Borisov, a Finnish international. He's 24, meant to be quite decent, and has looked okay in pre-season. So he could come in and, and do well. Um, they've got a young player called Ali Yusuf, a winger who's been linked with Sheffield United recently. Um, still got Dalio Irindus, who I've talked about a lot in the past, um, 21. 
So there's a lot to like about this team, to be honest. Um, and I think there's reasons to be optimistic with Hacken. They could even maybe look to aim higher than fifth. Um, but my big worry with them is they've got a lot of talented young players. And I just wonder if they'll be able to keep them, to be honest, because in this market, I think there'll be more urgency to sell. And, and I just wonder about maybe they might lose some, some players at some point in the next few months. Yeah, Alexander Turdland has uh, come in from Rosenborg. I can tell you now, they've, there's definitely goals um, in this Hecken team if they can feed him properly. He's a perfect sort of complete forward, experienced, a winning mentality, like you said. He uh, he will not accept anything less than that. And you know what? He's quite durable as well. He's the sort of bloke who's going to turn out for your 90 minutes on a Wednesday and um, the exact same at the weekend. He's... Um, He's like a Duracell bunny in that regard. He, despite his age, he's going to give it his absolute all and he'll leave nothing out there. So, um, yeah, there's definitely goals in that uh, heckin' team. And uh, I mean, as a comparison to, to, to Norshipping, um, I mean, you see the, the two the two sides quite similar. What's the main positive of Norshipping? I mean, you, last this time last year, you were saying they can win the title, but they regressed a little bit. Um, what's exciting about Norshipping? What isn't going to be so good for them? What's exciting about no shopping? I'll just give you some names. Isaac Pettersson in goal. Arguably the best goalkeeper in, in the league now. Definitely with Oscar Lina having left. I, and personally, I, I think he's better than Oscar Lina. Um, top, top keeper. They've kept him. Uh, Philip Dagestad, I still think is a good player. They've brought in some players. They've got some young talents coming through now who, who look good. Uh, I still like Exxon Binaku. I think he's got some potential. He was a hacker, didn't quite make it in um, in his move, but has has, has talent at left back. Uh, they signed Jonathan Levy from um, from Rosenborg. In fact, you're part of the woods. And Jens Gustafsson, the manager of North Shopping, has said he's exactly the type of player that we are looking for. I don't know a great deal about him, but from what I understand, he he, he could go well in Sweden. Uh, Sead Haksabanovic, massive season for him. He really started to come good. But Sead Haksabanovic is... A, you know, he's 21 now. He's starting to mature, I think. I think last season he was still immature. West Ham, the move didn't work out at West Ham just because he was, I think, a bit too young. Don't forget he was signed from Halmstad when he was sort of 18. He's a bit more mature now and I'd expect him to be one of the best uh, assist providers in the league. He already was last year and I think with more experience, he could go even better. I think they've got some very exciting young talents coming through. Manas Kusu is one I've talked about um, before in the past, I think. I've seen him a lot at youth level. I really like Manas Kusu. Um, an 18-year-old centre mid. I think he's like a, a player who could emerge. Uh, Ishak Abdul Rasak is a Nigerian youth international who's meant to be extremely highly rated. Um, Jens Gustafsson said he's a very hard-working player, former youth international. He's only 18. They've got Alexander Franson, who's you know been there and done it, a massive player for them. Simon Turn's still around. Uh, they've got Eric Smith, who's come back from Ghent. He's a, a big player. So... Uh, they've also got a player I'll talk about in a minute in my tent to watch uh, a young, uh, a young, uh, a, a young talent. The only the only problem for me, Steve, is the strikers. You know, I think they've lost quite a few strikers and um, in the past. And if you look at the players that they've lost up front in recent seasons, you know, you've got Kalle Holmberg, who's gone to Jurgen as I talk, said, Simon Scrab, who's been a big player for them, Jordan Larson, he's been a massive player for them last year. Sebastian Anderson, who scored a good sort of 10, 12 goals in the Bundesliga this, this season, they, they seem to just keep losing and losing strikers. And um, that's where it falls down a little bit for me to a certain extent. I'm, I'm a bit worried about where they're going to get goals from um, this season. I don't think they have a top striker like they did last year. And for that reason, I have them slightly further down than I did last year. 
So I've got a little bit of a big concern over North Shipping, and I tend to watch quite a lot of them, actually. Them and Hammerby are my two favourite sides to watch in this league in recent years. Um, they've got an unbelievably good home record. The last 30 home games for them in the Alsvenskan has resulted in 22 wins and just three defeats. And it always feels to me like the crowd is really, really passionate there. Almost, It's actually closer in than the likes of Malmo Stadium and, and, uh, and the Stockholm ones. It feels like they're right on the backs. It's a really an atmosphere which I don't think a lot of visiting teams would enjoy going to. They're going to lose a big edge, aren't they, with this behind closed doors and no shipping. And, uh, I mean, I'm personally concerned about that. I don't know about you. I think you're right to identify it. I think it's a, a concern. They, they have got that tight stadium. You know, sometimes I think of it as being a bit like Upton Park or something like that. You know what I mean? Very much the fans are, um, you know, on the edge of it. Um, and, and, and they can give them a boost. You know, so, like you said, it's a sort of quite compact ground. Uh, and they've got great fans, you know, and they're a well-supported club. They always, they always get sort of overlooked, as I said um, before. They always get overlooked, sort of thing, because you've got your Stockholm clubs, and you've got your sort of maybe Gothenburg clubs, and then you've got your South, you know, your sort of scanner clubs like Malmo and Helsingborg. And Norshipping just tend to sometimes get ignored, but they are a very well-supported team and have a very good track record, a good history. You know, they won the title in the past, um, in the past decade. So yeah, I think, um, I think you're right to identify that. It's a very good point. Uh, the problem for them is they started last season terribly, um, and you know their their home record wasn't even that great in, in the early uh, in the early month, parts of the season. Um, they only won one of their first sort of four home games. Uh, lost at home to EFK Jotterburg, lost at um, lost at home to Sirius. You know, so it remains to be seen really how that how that plays out. But they they had a terrible start to last season. They only won one um, of their first sort of seven eight games, uh, and they recovered well. But it was too late by then to, to mount any sort of title challenge. I, I think this season they're going to miss, uh, as I said, I think certain players like Kalle Holmberg. Um, although I'm, I, although I said I don't really massively rate him, you know, he's still a, a good player up front to have. I think Simon Scrab leaving as well is, is a blow. A lot will be relied on Christopher Neiman up front for goals. And although he's an OK striker, I, I don't think he's necessarily outstanding. Got a decent record. You know, 57 goals in 203 games for North Shopping, roughly. Um, but, you know, that's sort of nearly, that's sort of one in four, isn't it, man? And I think you need you need more than that to win the title. So, um, yeah, I think they've got an exciting young squad. I think they're regenerating. I think they're bringing through some young players. But I think this year might be a bit a bit too soon for them to challenge for the title. So I think their, their, their hope is going to be European football and, and maybe develop some of these players like Bergman, Johansson. Um, and also Haksabanovic, I, I mentioned him, but who knows if he's even going to stick around because he's only on loan. So if he was to leave, then it would be a, a, a quite a problem replacing him as well. So yeah, quite a few question marks with no shopping, which has led me to predict them in um, sort of fifth or sixth. Yeah, so I've gone for six. Yeah, we've got Hacken in uh, fifth and no shopping in sixth. And uh, I mean, do you see that as uh, are they closer to dripping down, dropping down mid table, or closer towards sort of the top four briefly? No, I think that I think that top six will be set. Um, I could see there being a slight gap. I think both of them can challenge for sort of top four if they have a good start to the season and a good run. Um, I like Hacken to to maybe challenge for top four a bit more. Um, but as I said, I think my worry with Hacken is that they might lose players. Uh, so no, I think they'll be closer to the to the sort of top four. I mean, last last season, if you look at it, the gap between fifth and sixth was eight points, which is quite big. Um, that was the gap between North Shopping and Hacken, in fact. And I, I can see it being a similar thing. I think top six, there'll be a, a bigger gap now. 
um, and then maybe from there down, I think there'll be you know uh, yeah. that kind of gap. Yeah. Brilliant. Okay. Well, that concludes the first half of this episode. Uh, join us after the break, where we're going to talk about the rest of the teams and the battle uh, against relegation in 2020, and of course, Mr. Jonathan Fadugba's 10 players to watch in the Asvenskan this season. So join us uh, fairly soon. Welcome back to the Nordic Football Podcast Season Preview 2020. I'm Steve Wiss and I'm joined by Jonathan Fadugba, as always. So um, we've done the, the top six uh, predictions there and, and discussions. Um, I'm just going to list the teams that Jonathan's predicted from 7th to 11th. And we're going Helsingborg, IFK Jotterborg, Urebro, Ostersunds and Elsborg. So um, a sort of a mid-table bunch there. Let's start with Helsingborg, uh, John. And um, I have good reason to believe that you've got you're quite excited by Helsingborg this year. Yeah, I am. And there's a there's sort of a, a dual debate here. There's there's people who are really down on Helsingborg uh, simply because of the financial issues, uh, which is a, which is which could play a factor. Um, the way I look at it, you know, and the other side of it is just they got a really exciting squad, in my opinion. They got some really really good young players uh, that, that excite me. I could have named at least three of them in my attempt to watch. I had to narrow it down, but um, could could definitely have named quite a few of them. Their season will be, I mean, this they are almost the embodiment of COVID-19 and how it impacts this season, to be honest, because I think this will go one of two ways. Helsingborg will either lose their key players, um, their key young players, like within the next few weeks or within the next sort of few months, and their season will peter out because they have a quite a light squad. Um, so, you know, if we look at the first weekend of the, uh, you know, first weekend's games coming up this weekend, they only have one fit midfielder, literally. So, um you know, they've got a, quite a light squad for Olaf Melberg to deal with. But at the same time, if they can keep the players that I like, uh, Armin Djidjevic, who today has been linked with Arsenal Manchester City, he's one of our 10 to watch. We'll talk about him in a minute. A fantastic young talent. If they can keep the likes of him, uh, Timothy Anderson, who's at Bayern, but he's come back to Helsingborg on loan, but his loan ends in June. So if they can extend that, for example, or will he go back to Bayern? Um, if they can keep Max Fenson, you know, they, they've got the makings of a of a, of a quite a nice um, blend there that I, that I like. Yeah, and you got them predicted uh, for seventh. Um, just one other team in that bunch of mid-table sort of predictions you've done there that I really want to ask you about is, is Ustersund because um, there's always a lot of interesting things going around Ustersund. And before we do talk about it, a big shout out to Ian Birchnell, a friend of the podcast up there. Um, a fantastic... Uh, uh, a young English manager, um, and we wish him very well for the season. But Ustersund, uh, you've got them predicted 10th, which is pretty respectable, you'd say. Um, do you see them... I mean, last year they were battling relegation towards the end quite a lot. Do you see them settling down a bit this time? Well, I think we'll, you know, we'll find out. Um, the bookmakers are nowhere near as confident as I am in their predictions. They've got them to actually go down. Uh, sorry, the um, not the bookmakers, the uh, the media in Sweden. They're predicting them to go down, so that is massive in my opinion. Um, I was quite surprised to read to read that, to be honest. But I can I can see the rationale because, you know, will they even survive this season from a financial point of view? There are major major question marks about Ossesen's from a financial standpoint. 
Um, I'll give you a reason why, Steve, and I'm going to ask you, you know, let's see what you think about this signing, right? And, you know, I don't want to get on Austin's back, but uh, this might sum it up for you. So you remember the financial issues, and we've had Ian Burchin on, on the Just Football podcast recently. Um, yeah. I was out in Stockholm in, in January and, you know, met him. I had a great chat with him, and I think he's a very talented coach, and I think he will be the key to them sort of surviving. And they do have some some good talents that he can work with and, and perhaps mould. I just want to name you one player, Steve. Have you ever heard of a player called Bakar Abdelawi? Um, not off the top of my head, no. No, I don't think you would have, and uh, you won't be blamed for not being, having heard of him. Bakar Abdelawi is a player signed by Ostersons, and there's a backstory here, which is that Ostersons vice the the, the father of Bakar Abdelawi is the vice chairman of Embuzz Sports, and they are a Saudi telecoms company who recently announced a sponsorship deal with Ostersons, who were thought to be going out of business before you know sponsors suddenly turned up uh, and, and bailed them out. And uh, as part of that deal, or maybe it was a complete coincidence, um, but as part of that deal some way, a few days later, Bakar Abdelloui signs for Ostersons. Now, I looked into this player, and his background, he's come from the Spanish third tier, Linenzi, didn't play much. He's 22. Now, is this a fantastic bit of business, transfer business, or is this, you know, is there more to it than uh, this? The, the dad of one of their sponsors, uh, the, the son of one of the main sponsors, who's bailed them out. Um, how does that sound to you, Steve? Uh, I mean, it sounds a bit worrying potentially. Um, who knows? I mean, it's it's a difficult one, isn't it? Uh, we lost systems. I know they've had issues up there. I think it's before we move on, my, my big question mark is, can they replace Dino Islamovic, his goals? Well, yeah, I mean, Abdelouis sums it up. I think they, they you know, there are ma major question marks from a financial point of view, is what I'm trying to say. Um, there's no hiding it. They are the new AFC Eskostuna. They are hated in Sweden by fans. And it's going to be everyone, you know, I guess there's going to be no fans in the stadiums, which will help them. Um, but, but, but they are now the team that everybody hates. They, you know, a lot of Swedish fans want to see them kind of kicked out of the league and, and, and there's a lot of question marks on that side of things. Maybe it's a complete coincidence. Maybe he's a top talent and he proves me wrong. But it just sums up the, the financial situation that they're in. Um, can they replace Dino Azamovic? Yes. They have a very, very, very exciting talent. One of my I tend to watch, Jordan Atta Kadiri, uh, a Nigerian forward who, to a certain extent, I think Ossessons are pinning their financial future on. Um, because if he gets the goals needed, he, he will move on to a bigger league. I think there there's big expectations on him and, um, you know, they, they need that money to survive, really. And maybe sort of developing him and selling him on is key. They have some very good young players. I think one to watch out for is Nebu Perry. Uh, I watched him in pre-season at uh, Ossesons and he did really well. He looked very good. Uh, a young sort of um, a young winger on the left. He's born in New York, an American, and uh, I think he's quite, quite, quite a decent player to look out for. Like I say, they've got some very exciting players. Charlie Colkett, I think he's one. Of, he could be one of the top players in the league in midfield. There, the former Chelsea academy graduate, and um, I think the likes of Sonko Sundberg and Thomas Isherwood in, at the back can continue to to develop. So, I think from a coaching point of view, I think Ian, Ian Burchell can get the best out of this squad, but I think the financial issues behind the scenes are quite worrisome and. Uh, as I mentioned, the media have tipped them to finish second bottom. 
Yeah, and you mentioned that Ian Birchnell uh, interview where she's on the Just Football podcast. Uh, for those watching on YouTube, I will link, uh, send a link uh, to that uh, particular episode um, on, on the YouTube channel there. And another interview we need to talk about is, of course, Axel Chal, who you recently um, we had on the Nordic Football podcast uh, just last month or so. Um, you predicted Urubro to finish ninth. Uh, we're not going to go. We really don't have too much time to go into too much detail there, but hopefully they'll have a solid year and uh, EFK Jotterborg in eighth um, and Elfsborg in 11th. We never, one of these days, we're going to have a like a Pacific Elfsborg podcast, I think, uh, for NFP, Jonathan, um, because they do get skipped by again. But I mean, of those three teams, you got anything brief to say about them? Um, we'll talk about some of their big talents in the players to watch. Uh, I've got some players for them, for, for both sides to watch. So that that's the benefit. EF Core in massive financial problems, I think. I think that, that that's hampered their season. Like I said before, I think they could have had a good year. We interviewed Tobias Hussein uh, on the podcast recently, about a month or so ago. Go back and listen to that, because that was a fantastic overview of EF Core Jotterborg and their current situation. He talks about Poyo Asbargi and what it's like to work under him. And he talked about the squad ahead and, and, and players that he rates. So, you know, if you want more EF Core Jotterborg, I'd suggest to listen to that podcast if you haven't. Uh, I just think this season... You know, I don't think they're going to finish where they did last year, which was seventh. I think it's going to be a bit more difficult for them because I think they'll lose players. Uh, Alexander Jello is a fantastic signing, but they're weak at the back. They need they need reinforcements even now, and I just think that 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 contributes to my prediction to them to be about eighth. You know, sort of bang on mid table. Yeah, and Urubu ninth and uh, Elspor eleventh. Pretty this little run of the mill mid table sort of sides. Yeah, I mean Urubu. We spoke to Axel Kiar. Um, I like what they're doing. Um, he's now completely in charge of the club uh, from uh, you know transfer's point of view as well as coaching. Uh, I like his ambition. Their aim is to sort of sign younger talents in Sweden, um, sort of under 18s from other clubs, and and, and develop them and, and and maybe try and sell them on for a profit. A, a good example of that is a player called um, Hussein Ali, who signed from Malmo. He's a right back, and he. He, um, you know, was at Malmo's academy and obviously he's now gone in and is playing first team football at Old Bro. So that's their kind of model, I think, for the foreseeable future. Um, they got some decent players, but I think my prediction about of, of them is about right. The key is, can they keep Jake Larson? Uh, I don't think they'd probably be able to keep him eventually because he's linked with a lot of big clubs in Serie A and that kind of thing. Eight goals, three assists in 27 games last season. Um, Axel Kial says he has a fantastic mentality. Um, on that podcast so go back and listen to that subscribe and, and go back and have a listen to complete analysis of Oliver squad um, they've got Jack Lane on loan but will he stay no idea uh, and uh, just a final bit of news they've signed Nahir Basara who you know that's one of the debates we've had isn't it Steve about how players leave Sweden and uh, are back within a year well uh, he's back within a year it's that same old merry go around isn't it so uh yeah that's the that's the mid-table sides um uh, discussed as usual and uh Let's move on to the relegation battle, and um, there's only one team to start with here, and that is Kalmar, really, because they only survived just by the skin of their teeth in 2019. They had to come through the relegation playoff game, managed to, you know, say survive by that skin of their teeth, and uh, you know, is that a sort of a wake-up call they needed? Do you think, Jonathan? Are they going to? Um, they always seem to be hanging around sort of 11th to 13th place, don't they? Like, you're not predicting them to go down this time around. Um, they should have enough, you think, or are they going to be in trouble again? Yeah, I think they'll, they'll, well, 
the bottom is going to be quite compelling because you've got no fans to start with. So the emphasis is going to be on coaching. Who is the best coach of the, the bottom six? That's the bot. That's really for me. That's where it all ends. Who 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 can get the best out of the squad? Obviously, you've got who's got the best squad as well. But I think coaching is going to play a huge role in it. Um, and Calmo have the benefit of obviously having uh, Nani Bergstrand back at the club. Uh, he has some health issues, I think, and he, and, he, and he stepped aside. But he is now back, and you know, I wish him all the best in terms of health and stuff because you know he's a very good manager, very experienced, um, sort of like a Sam Allardyce type. You know, just knows his stuff. Uh, you know, maybe even maybe even better than some other guys, you know, reputation-wise. But um, uh, yeah, he's a he's a experienced manager, knows what he's doing, and um, I think some of their signings as well reflect that. They've got Sebastian Ring, who's who was at Grimsby Town uh, under Michael Jolly, remember? But he's now back in in Osvenskan. Didn't have the best of times at Grimsby. Um, he's been signed, which is a, a decent bit of business, I think. Uh, they've got Svante Ingelsons come in, and they got some good young talents. I mean. One of the things to say about them is their sports director, Lucas Nielsen, came out and said about Kalmar, our only aim this season is to stay up. And that pretty much sums it all up, really. Uh, I don't think they care about anything but finishing above that relegation playoff place. I mean, don't forget they survived the relegation playoffs last season, um, beating Ike Braga. But I think this season they'll they'll snatch your hand off for um, you know a 13th place finish. Uh, and... Can they get it? Uh, I'm not entirely sure. We're in a new era now from Kalmar because it's um, post-Elm. You know, Rasmus Elm has retired and he is now assistant manager. Uh, and of course, you know, they've had so many Elms over the years, the brothers, title winners back in the day. Um, but they are now no longer there except for, uh, I think there's one Elm left now, Victor Elm, who's 34. But we're entering a sort of post-Elm era and um, they've got some young talents coming through, to be fair. Yeah, I think I've probably used this one before, but will it be nightmare on elm street now they've left um you know but um of the 40 of the five teams we're going to talk about down the bottom there they are by far the biggest club aren't they really i mean just looking at stadium capacity twelve thousand, which is significantly more than than teams like falkenberg sirius etc they're a big club you know that you know should be should we be expecting more from them long term yeah, I mean, they're a big club, but they've, they've fallen on hard times, I think. Um, I'm always fascinated by their curious link with random Brazilian players. Uh, I remember one year we talked about Rooney and someone when I was putting their score together, you know, we, we keep databases, don't we, Steve? I keep, keep, we keep tabs on every single club and every single player. Uh, we really do do in-depth analysis of these teams. And uh, every year I'm doing Calma, I'm just looking into random Brazilian players who come from nowhere and, and then left. Uh, Nixon. Is one, you know, just naming some famous Brazilians: Nixon, uh, Hayago, um, you know, Ismael Silva Lima. Obviously, they've still got Romario Pereira. They've got a player called Rafinha, who's a, a decent player, to be fair. Um, did quite well last season. Played sixteen games. But they just got so many random Brazilians. Um, their transfer business is always a bit like um, I don't know, being in Sao Paulo or something. But um, I think they've got some young talents to look out for this year. Uh, and I'm just going to run you through some of them very quickly. One of them is an I tend to watch, so I won't name him. But uh, keep an eye out for Nils Froling. He's been linked with a move to bigger clubs, and they'll have to keep him, or they'll be they'll be lower down the table if they don't keep him. I think that that's massively important. Uh, he's a 20-year-old striker linked with Azad Alkmaar, Udinese. Um, he scored a decent amount of goals last season. He's got 10 in 47 now. Uh, and he turned down Norshopping. Norshopping tried to sign him, but he said he wants to move abroad. Uh, he's a good young talent. 
they've got Alexander Al Holmstrom, who's a 21-year-old uh, Sweden youth international. Um, and then I'll talk about the other one in a minute, an 18-year-old who you'll want to keep an eye out for. Um, but yeah, I think their squad's okay. But uh, this year, it's all about survival. That's all they care about this season. And uh, I think you're right. They should have a better, a higher ambition, maybe long term. But I think this year, it's prag pragmatism. Okay, you're pred predicting them 12th. Um, this season, there's only two two newly promoted sides. That's Mielby and Varberg boys. Uh, you actually think they can both avoid automatic relegation. Um, now, what do we know about these two newly promoted sides then, Jonathan? Let's start with Mialbi, who actually looked to me like, I think according to the map, they're the second most southerly side in the Alsvenskan. So um, how do you see them going? Yeah, I think it will be, to be honest, I, you could talk, I really, I can't make my mind up on the bottom four. So, you know, I could be completely wrong on this. Um, I'm not even sure if I'm sure about my order. I could even change it mid-pod, <laughs> to be honest. Um, <laughs> and I might well do that. So, uh, but yeah, Mialbi and Varberg, I think maybe I'm being quite optimistic about just, I quite like their squads. Um, there's something about them that gives me a little bit of hope. But one thing I've noticed is over the years is there is a big gap between Osvenskan and Superret and quality. Uh, and they'll need to bridge that gap because um, in the past, I've thought teams would do well and they haven't. Um, what do I like about Mialbi? Well, I'm not entirely sure about their manager, Marcos Lance, to be honest. I think that might be, I think he has a bit to prove. You know, he's been around the block. He's been at Ogolita, for example. He's even coached in, in women's football. Um, I'm not entirely I'm not entirely sure about him. You know, his average points per game at Ogolita was 1.5 uh, over 133 games. And he's just come in as Mialbi manager, basically. So the manager who took them up has left. Um so I think that's a question mark, and may maybe I'll have them lowered down based on that. Uh, so I could well even switch it, as I've mentioned. But um, I think they've made some decent signings, to be honest. I think their recruitment's been good. Uh, I like, obviously, David Batanero, the best passer in the league last season in terms of volume of passes, pass accuracy. Um, according to Scout data, he, he, he is a pass machine. We've seen him at Gusunsval, obviously the Spanish uh, player. Um, just keeps things ticking in that midfield, the metronome. They've also signed Mamadou Moro, who's a, uh, who I quite liked him at Helsingborg. You know, looking at it from an Osvenskan fancy point of view, he was in my fancy team for a while. Uh, he's a right midfielder, can play striker. Um, he got five assists in 20 games and he's been picked up. Um, and I quite like him. They've got Moses Ogbu. Don't know if anyone remembers Moses Ogbu, but he 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 was at Grimsby as well under Michael Jolly. Didn't work out for him. He's 29 now, but I remember him at Sirius. I remember watching him live quite a few times when I was in Sweden and, and um I think he's a, a good player at this level. So I think, you know, if he can maybe get his head head down, he's a good player. Um, they've snatched a couple of other players. <laughs> There's an interesting one here, Steve, that I want to tell you about. Um, Victor Agardius. Now, this is a coronavirus story, really, in a way, but he was at Kalmar, and he's a centre-back. Uh, sorry, left-back, sorry, and 30 years old. He, um, he signed for Livorno in Italy in February. Free transfer, out of contract coronavirus hits he's there for two months and his contract's terminated and now he's gone to Mialbi so he's gone from Kalmar to Mialbi via Italy which is a, obviously a real shame for his career but um he'll reinforce them I think so that's not a bad signing Eric Bjorkander it comes from Gisfunswa so they they got some they got some decent players I think and it's just can they sort of blend that into a into a decent uh, unit 
Yeah, um, gives them a fighting chance of survival anyway. And, and Varberg boys, uh, how about them? They've uh, got the lowest stadium capacity in the whole league. It's four and a half thousand at uh, Porsberg's Wallen. Sounds like their stadium is called, if that's a good pronunciation or not. Um, just actually an interesting thing. I think four of the bottom five you predicted are playing on natural grass. Is that an advantage maybe for them? Maybe do some teams not like going there on natural grass? There's not too many other stadiums across the league that are natural actually um but anyway vibeberg boys um you've got them in the relegation playoff position position um obviously you feel they've got a chance of going down but maybe competitive um yeah i think you know the media predicted them to go down so you know my prediction of them in the in the relegation playoffs is probably as best as they can hope for but i you know i i quite like um Vibe boys based on based on last season uh you know they didn't they didn't um win the league obviously malby won the league but they were two points two points behind them and scored more goals and actually conceded fewer goals so from that perspective they were you know from that point of view a better team but um i think they got good young talents uh, i've watched Varberg a lot actually at youth level uh, i know some people at the club um and in the past and um you know they've identified some young talents that are coming through that I quite like. In terms of can they survive, I think it's going to be a massive challenge for them. This is, I think, their first ever season in Austin Scan. Uh, so a massive achievement going up. Um, and not too far from Lotteborg as well in terms of location. But, um, I mean, it will be a challenging season for them. They've got some decent players I could mention for you. Um, but, yeah, I think that the main one to look out for is Astrid Seljmanni. Now, he scored 15 goals and got six assists in 27 games last season. He was key man, uh, a really prolific scorer. And I think a lot is going to rest on his shoulders for them to survive, really. They've, they've lost some players as well, which I think could hamper them. Um, I'll just name you a couple of them. So, Pepper in Bakaj, he was a decent sort of forward. Uh, Nahum Germain Netabai has gone to, uh, it's gone across the town to Sirius. He was a really key player for them, a, a decent sort of ball player, mid ball player midfielder. Robin Book has gone to, um, uh, I think, Audebro, I believe. He's another player who was key for them. 28 games, six goals, seven assists. Uh, and then Tobias Carlson is a big player uh, that Hacken have picked up in, in defence, 24-year-old. Uh, so they've lost sort of three or four key players, which is a, a worry. Um, but it's just can the new signings, the likes of Robin Tramberg, who's come from Dalkurd and, and a few others, um, can they do well? And they've got, like I said, some young talents to look out for. Um, Keenan Ayer is one, I think Adam Afafana, and they've got a few other young talents coming through, so that's the big question. Tashrik Matthews has come from Dortmund, Borussia Dortmund, so um, how well will the young talents go? That's that's the big question, really. So to round things off, the two teams you've got predicted uh, automatic relegation right now, uh, Sirius in 15th and Falkenberg in 16th. Um, now, both did struggle last year, that's for sure. Uh, Falkenberg, for most of the year, were banging that bottom three i mean i'm guessing you, you just think what is about these two teams that's going to make them regress into automatic relegation potential jonathan yeah i mean i think live on air i'm going to change my prediction <laughs> I'm Sensational events. is that allowed steve is that allowed yeah, yeah yeah absolutely i might do the same when we do norway who knows i think i'm going to change sirius and varberg i think i think sirius potentially could have finished higher than me i'll be and varberg actually I think I've been a little bit harsh on, on Sirius. Um, I'll give you the rationale for why I had them uh, in the relegation zone, and then I'll give you rationale of probably why I, I think they'll actually be all right. Um, from the point of view of 
why I worry about them. I think they've lost some, some key players. Uh, Haglund has gone. Ian Sorelius, Christa, Christa Gustafsson. Um, they've lost a lot of sort of um, serious kind of stalwarts, to be honest, players that have been there and been with them for a long, long time. And so this is a fairly, you know, I'm not going to say it's a new team, but, you know, they've, um, you know, Johan Eisvold, the Tigers of Concussion, Jesper Arvidsson, Oscar Pearson. They've had some sort of players that um, kind of embody the club leaving. Ian Sorelius is a good example of that. Um, King, you know, so that kind of worries me to a certain degree. In terms of transfers, you know, just looking at some of their players, actually, and, you know, I mentioned Guillermo Netterby, they signed from Varberg. He could go well, to be fair. So that maybe makes me rate them slightly higher. But I think they've got a lot of players that I'm just not sure about. They signed a lot of players from the third tier. Simon Geffert comes from Carlson's. Um, Adam Helbert comes from Kalmar, as I mentioned. Lauren Shabani comes from Malmo. He's a 20-year-old player, but there's a lot of there's a lot of players that I'm just not sure about. And um, that's why I'm not sure about it. The only one player I like is Kennedy, Igbo, and Nike up front. He He's the one who makes me sort of want to maybe change my prediction. I remember him in Chicago yeah. Fire. Actually, yeah. Absolute unit at Oribro. Um He's come back to the league now. Obviously, he left, I think, for Saudi Arabia and, and um, somewhere else, and it didn't work out. And he's now at Sirius. And I think he, he'll he be the man to get the goals. He's 31 now. He's pushing on a bit. But um, I think their survival is basically... All down to him and one other player, which is Samuel Lundholm. Um, he's a 25-year-old, used to be AIK and NEC Nijmegen. Um, he had a good season last year playing on the right-hand side. I think those two players are, are going to be massive for them, and it depends how they do or if they stay. Yeah, Lundholm is a man on set pieces, good on set pieces, isn't he? I think penalties, free kicks and stuff, good uh, player for them. Um, now, Falkenberg... Uh, First of all, I must just say, brilliant for them last year to survive. Um, you know, fantastic achievement with, yeah, and we did a great uh, interview with their manager, didn't you? Um, um, back back end of last year, which is well worth looking up uh, past episode. Um, but I mean, you think they're going to finish bottom? You think they're going to go down? Is it just simply a case of it was so miraculous last year? It was almost too good to be cr to be true, and um, you know, we kind of we're going to they're going to go back to normal this time. Yeah, I mean, who can forget Falkenberg? Last minute of the last game of last season, they were down, don't forget. They were down for 90% of last season. You know, they, they they should be delighted to even be in the league this season, really, from a you know realistic point of view. They were dead and buried for a good, good portion of last year until literally Seema Peter 90th minute pops up and uh, knocks AFC Eskilstein out of the league and keeps Falkenberg in it. It was unbelievable. Uh, to, to the fact that they even avoided the relegation playoff, um, let alone you know, just staying up outright, was remarkable. Um, but I, I do worry about them this season, and I think I think they will. Like they are, I'm comfortable putting them in the bottom two. Um, they're the one team that I'm not. You know, I think Mialbi Varberg Sirius will fight for the, the, the second relegation spot. But I think Falkenberg, I, I worry about them. Maybe they can prove me wrong. You know, maybe maybe I'll have an egg on my face. You know, maybe I'll be eating humble pie. But I just, I, I really worry about their squad. Um, Inseema Peter, obviously, was the man last year. But he's 31 now. John Chibuki, 31 now. They brought in Kwame Kazito, who I remember, if we remember, he was a hacker. And I remember him in the European League qualifiers. And he was he really struggled against AZ Alkmaar. Um, he's a, a decent signing, you know, 23-year-old. He's got a lot to prove, a lot on his shoulders. You know, can he really carry the can for a, a team in terms of goals? I'd say 
jury's out on that. Uh, so, yeah, I just think that, you know, their other signings, are, I, I'm not sure about their recruitment, if I'm totally honest. They've got Tim Erlenson, who's come back. He's been out because of mental health problems. Um, you might remember him at AFC Eskilstuna and also moved to Nottingham Forest. He's still young uh, as a goalkeeper, but, um, you know, he's had his problems in that point of view. They've also got Victor Noring signed, but he's another goalkeeper. Um, he was at, on the bench at Kalmar last year. They got four goalkeepers. Um, you know, they signed Sander Van Looy, who's come from uh, PEC Smaller, but he hasn't played for 18 months. He's not played any football. Uh, I, I, want, I, I do worry about their recruitment, as I say. Um, he's, you know, got a lot to prove, a centre-back, but he's meant to be a ball-playing centre-back who did well on trial. But, you know, there's a, it's a big ask for him to sort of step up to Osvenskan level and keep him in the league. Um, on the positive side, Marcus Mattison is a decent midfielder. Uh, Johan Bjorkegren, really promising prospect, played 28 games last season. He's a key player for them uh, in defensive midfield, and I expect him to be really, really, really important um, if they're going to stay up. Anton Verde is not bad. But just all in all, Steve, I look at their squad and I, I just don't see where they get goals. I don't see how they keep goals out. I think all round I'm a bit worried. Although Hansa Eklund is a promising coach, he knows how he wants to play football. We've had him on the podcast, great guy. I, I just worry about the resources he has this season to, to keep them up. Yeah, you're only as good as the tools you've got to work with sometimes, uh, really. Uh, their away record last year, by the way, was uh, shocking. Uh, played 15, lost 11, three draws and one win. And that one win came uh, against Kalmar, where Kalmar basically bottled it, didn't they? So there's a lot of concerns about uh, Falkenberg and you predict them to go down. Let's just go over your uh, final predicted table. So um, you go with Hammerby to win the title, Monmouth second, Jorgarten third, Acor fourth, uh, Hecken in fifth, uh, Norship in sixth. Mid-table, uh, Helsingborg, IFK Jotterborg, Urubro and Ostersunds seventh to tenth. Uh, Elsborg in eleventh. We still never talked about them, did we? One one of these days, Jonathan. Um, one of these days. Kalmar in 12th, uh, Melby 13th. Uh, although you might have swapped that with Sirius now, I think. I mean, so um, actually, what was the. Where did you put Sirius in the end? 13th? I've got Melby 13th, Sirius 14th, Weiberg 15th. Yeah, and Falkenberg 16th. So that is Jonathan uh, for Douglas predicted Asvenskin. Uh, table and we've got one more thing to do uh, before we round off this podcast and it's your famous 10 players to watch and you're kind of quite known for this really aren't you um the uh, 10 10 talented stars or or players to, to keep your eye out for in the Svenskan uh, for this year for whatever reason so um are you gonna just run through that list uh to start off with and then we'll just talk about a few of them yeah and if you've made it to the end of the show then um welcome and enjoy the dessert this is always my favorite time of the part of the podcast uh, i tend to watch I, I do enjoy identifying a player that's what i do and uh, hopefully i'm going to be writing some of these ones and um you'll have made it to the end to listen to it so i'll just run you the names and then i'll run you their positions and, and clubs so i've got armin jijovic uh, at helsingborg imam jan at bickelhaken jake larson at Ordebro, Adi Nalic at Malmo, Jacob Ondrejka at Elsborg. There you go, Steve. Um, Giorgio Kiriishvili at EFK Jotterburg. Then I've got Isaac Bergman Johannesson at Noor Shopping, Akin Kunmi Amu at Hammerby, Isaac Janssen at Kalmar, and Jordan Atta Kadiri at Ostersunds. That's my turn to watch. 
That's brilliant. Well, I think there's only one place to start, isn't there? And that's going to have to be with uh, Jakob Andreska at Elfsborg. Uh, seeing as we've not talked about Elfsborg at all, let's give them a little bit of airtime here. And uh, 17-year-old, uh, looks like left winger. And uh, what have you got to say about him? Yeah, well, you know, we haven't really talked much about Elfsborg and um, maybe we'll talk about that. Maybe we'll do a team in focus later in the season. But then again, I, I say that every year. Uh, if you're an Elfsborg <laughs> If you're an Elfsborg fan, then just get in touch because you know we need some incentive to cover you. Uh, you're always sort of lower mid-table. Uh, Jacob and Dredjka, yeah. So in terms of my ones to watch, I tend to go for younger players and you know ones who are going to break out because the reality is they might not even be around for another season. So um, I picked him out as a 17-year-old. I expect him to hopefully maybe break through in, into that Elfsborg midfield. Uh, he's a left midfielder or a left winger. He was actually supposed to move to EFK Jutteburg, um during the winter um, before Elfsborg swooped in and uh, EFK didn't take him. I think he, yeah, he was on trial there. Uh, he's a Sweden under-17 international. Uh, he was at Landskrona Boys. Now, if you watch my uh, football manager say, voice and source, Landskrona Boys are my mortal enemies. Uh, I can't stand them. But um, in real life, it's all good. I've got no problem with them. But uh, yeah, apparently, according to people at Landskrona, he, he's very, very highly rated. Uh, and he's been very impressive in pre-season. He's raising a lot of eyebrows at Elfsborg from that point of view. So um, he's in there this season, one to watch. Maybe he'll break into that midfield. Um, a name that really catches my eye is uh, Isaac uh, Janssen at Kalmar. You said we were going to talk about him at the end. So uh, another left-sided player, I do believe. Um, uh, and uh, nice to see Kalmar have got uh, a bit of youth there to potentially lean on. Yeah, you're right. And Kalmar sort of, um, I think, like I said, you know, it's post, post-Elm World. They, they're start, obviously, Victor's still around, but they're starting to kind of have to bring through new players that I um, talked about. And I could have gone for Niels Froling, who, you know, at 20 probably deserves to be mentioned uh, and has proved himself last season in the league. But I'm going to go for Isaac Janssen. Isaac Janssen, I like players who are a bit unknown. Um, so maybe Froling will have a bigger impact. But I think Isaac Janssen is one to keep an eye out for. Uh, again, he's an under-17 international for Sweden, highly, highly rated. He trained at Spurs Academy, in fact, in 2017. And there were big rumours that he would move to Spurs, but he didn't. Uh, so there's already that sort of European interest. Uh, again, he's a sort of left-winger slash left-midfielder, but there's a lot of talk about him at Kalmar. Um, big expectations for him to maybe break through. So although Froling would be the kind of sensible choice, if you're doing a fantasy team, put Froling in. Um, but if you're looking for a talent to sort of watch out for, watch him emerge, as the season progresses, I think Kalmar fans will be following Isaac Janssen quite closely. You're a man who's always had really close links to Hecken, and uh, you've got a 16-year-old on your list this year. Imam Yangya, is that the correct pronunciation? Uh, central midfielder from Hecken. Um, I'm guessing he's pretty raw, but can we see... We, are we, do we expect many minutes from him on the field this year? Well, that's a fantastic question, actually. I, I'm not sure... But uh, I know one thing for sure, and that's there's a definite buzz about this player. Um, again, I could have picked Ali Youssef. He's 19. So maybe I've gone a bit too young this season on my ones to watch, to be honest. But, um, you know, Youssef's links with Sheffield United. We've had questions about him. Maybe he'll be a talent focus as the season goes on. He's a little bit more senior. But again, if you're looking for a player who is maybe a little bit less, a little bit less heralded, a little bit less known and who might break through, then for me, it's Imam Yan. I don't expect him to be a first-team regular by any stretch of the imagination, but I think maybe by the end of the season, he could well be um, breaking through. Uh, again, he's a youth international for Sweden, uh, Gambian origin, uh, but born in Jotterburg, Biskopsgarden. 
uh, an area close to my heart. It's got a bit of a, maybe a dodgy, a bit of a bad reputation within Gothenburg, but Biscop's Garden is like maybe the kind of um, immigrant quarter or that kind of thing. That's what they tend to say. Um, but a lot of character, it's got a lot of flavour to it. I, I like I like that part of town, to be honest. Uh, I don't think it's anywhere near as bad as people make out, um, you know, reputation-wise. Um, but he is a highly rated player, like I say, born in Jotterborg. Um, Manchester United have been heavily linked with him. Uh, they watched him at the Gothia Cup in 2019 um, very closely and were close to sort of maybe making a move, didn't go for it. Um, but I think he he will be, he, he's being talked about already in Sweden and I think maybe he can break through this season um, by the end of the year. Let's go a little bit older um, and let's go to uh, Jotterborg. Uh, Kariash Vili um, is the oldest player on your uh, list of players to watch. Uh, what do you think it is about him this year that we've got to keep an eye on him? Uh, I just think he'll be, I think he'll just go on from here. I think last year, he, I mean, he was in a lot of people's fantasy teams, that kind of thing. Uh, he's a good player. And, you know, the reason I put him in, because, you know, I don't want to have just complete list of teenagers, to be honest. Uh, I think he's a player now who can step up and potentially <clears throat> move move abroad within, within the season. Um, I think there'll be bigger clubs looking at him now. Um, and I think this season he's got a bit more of a responsibility, really, to, to sort of carry the carry the take on more of a leadership role at um, at EF Core. I think last year we had Al Hassan Yusuf, didn't we? Uh, I'm trying to remember now, but if not, then um, Al Hassan Yusuf is also a hugely rated young talent. He's um, been linked with Wolves, and I think there's a good chance he'll leave now. EF Core are going to have to sell players. There's, there's no doubt about it. For the finances dictate that, uh, even before COVID. So, you know, I think. Yusuf and Kyrieshvili potentially, you know, will leave. Um, but Kyrieshvili is a centre midfielder or attacking midfielder, a Georgian player. Uh, had a good goal record last season, good assist record, and I just think he's, um, you know, it's his time this year to sort of, like I say, step up and and maybe take more responsibility at EF Core. What about Jake Larson at Uruguay then? Yeah, Jake Larson. If you want <clears throat> to listen to the. Uh, Axel Kjall interview that we had um, on the show. Don't forget to subscribe. Follow us at Twitter at NordicFootPod and make sure you're subscribed on iTunes or Spotify or wherever. Um, really, really good conversation with Axel. Uh, I've got a lot of respect for him as a manager. He um, he talks very highly of Jake Larson. He said his mentality is fantastic. He said he was at, he was formerly at Hammerby, uh, didn't make it at Hammerby and basically um, he went on trial, I think, at, at, at Oldebrook and, and uh, Axel Kjell tells a story where he he said to him, you know, what do you want to achieve? And Jake Larson said, I want to be the best player in Al Svenskan. And uh, apparently, obviously, Axel Kjell was really impressed by his mentality, his hunger, uh, and he's proved it on the training ground. You know, and last season he he was very very good uh, at Orebro. He was one of those players who you could pick up for cheap on your fantasy team, and he, he developed it in terms of that. I think his price tag will be a bit higher this year, but uh, you know, he's he's improving. Like I say, eight goals, three assists. Um, into Milan, apparently, you know, Genoa sort of looking at him. And I think this year is a year where he can continue that development. Let's touch on another young player then on this list, and that is uh, Norshipping Isaac Bergman Johannesson, um, sort of attacking midfielder striker, um, one to watch. Yep. Again, it's one of those ones where um, Norshipping have quite a few good young talents coming through. So I've had to sort of pick one. Uh, I've gone for the youngster. Now, he is the son. Now, do you remember Joey Goodjonsson? There's a quiz question for you, Steve. Who who did Joey Goodjonsson play for? 
Joey Goodjohnson. Oh, bloody hell. Was it one of those in Scotland? Was it Hibs? You're close, but you're way off. Now, uh, Joey Goodjohnson played in the Premier League, in fact. Uh, Bolton. Wolves, Aston Villa, Burnley and Leicester. Burnley, that was Burnley. it. Burnley, yeah. yeah. And the son of uh, Joey Goodjohnson is Isaac Bergman Johansson. Now, this is a player, maybe Gareth Southgate wants to have a little watch of Osvenz game this season because uh, he was born in Sutton Coalfield. Um, now, you don't get many Bergman Johanssons uh, from Sutton Coalfield, but uh, that's where he was born. Uh, his dad was playing in the area at the time in the Premier League. So, technically, he's eligible for England, you could say, but um, he's a player who is emerging. Now, he is a highly rated talent and apparently has a very, very good mentality. A really serious player, wants to improve every day, kind of like a, you know, I'm not going to, there's no point comparing him to a Ronaldo, but if you think of that kind of determination, um, is what I'm trying to say, you know, he really wants to improve. He actually had an offer from um, uh, big clubs, but he chose to stay at North Shopping because he wants to get into the first team as soon as possible, which is, I think, a very sensible move. Uh, Gladbach, FC Copenhagen, Bromby, Juventus all looked at him. And just a quick quote from Jonathan Levi, who, who joins, as I mentioned, from Norway. He's uh, new to the club at, uh, at North Shopping. He says, there are not many 17-year-olds I've ever seen in my life who are as focused and serious about football. I'm incredibly impressed with him. Uh, and that was just one quote praising Isaac Bergman, Johansson, and an attacking midfielder, uh, ghost into that area, a bit like sort of, um, I think of sort of a Frank Lampard type player, maybe to a certain extent, ghost into those into the box, is good finisher, looks to get into those positions, can play as a striker as well, um, and definitely one to keep an eye on. Fantastic sounding uh, fella at uh, Hammerby, Akin Kunmi Amu. We talked, we touched on him briefly earlier, uh, uh, but he looks an exciting talent. Yeah, and um, like I said, I'm going to be honest, I, have, I haven't seen a huge amount of this player, but I'm going on um, people that I respect who, who have asked about him. And the the reviews I've got are, are absolutely raving, to be honest. So I'm pretty, uh, you know, I'm staking it on that and I, I trust these people. Um, very, very good ball player. He's a winger. Can play on the right or the left. Um, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, as I mentioned, had a big say in his signing. Uh, there's a picture of him smiling with Amu, who's a Nigerian youth international, did really well at a youth tournament. And that's where he sort of um, first got all the hype. Uh, Hamby have had a lot of African players in, in, in recent years. So I think there's some sort of link there, even though they had a bit of a, a racism scandal where their uh, sports director was, um, well, said some very off-key comments uh, off camera. Um, but the link still continues and uh, Amu's joined them. Uh, really good sharp footwork in, in possession, strong balance is what I'm told. Um, apparently his acceleration is fantastic uh, and I've quote from one person he's, he's a joy simply a joy to watch so I'm really excited to see how he does and Zlatan has also given him uh, the seal of approval so there's a big buzz about uh, uh, Amu and he could also play number 10 um, he'll look to break through in Hamby and you know they've got goals haven't they coming out there out of their eyeballs maybe he's another one to sort of add to it so keep an eye on him for sure He's on with Jordan Atta Kadiri is one to watch out for at Ostrasons. Uh, you think he can kick on this year? Yeah, we've talked about him, uh, so I won't say too much, but um, another Nigerian. Uh, I think, like I said, I've seen him play, very strong player, very powerful in the, in the sense of like on the ball. He's quite stocky, but he's um, but he, you know he's quick as well. So 
Um, he's got a decent finish on him. Um, scored seven goals in his first 13 games for, for Ostersunds. Uh, like I say, decent speed and finishing. And I think the aim really is to sell him on. I think they'll be looking to sell him as soon as they can. But um, yeah, decent, decent player there. Yeah, we already really talked about Adin Alic at uh, Malmo. So we'll finish with our final player to talk about, and that is Armin Gigovic at uh, Helsingborg. Um, so uh, let's take it away with him. Yeah, and it's quite funny because um, I think, as I mentioned, they've got a few other players, Timothy Anderson, Max Fenson, who I really like, Anthony van den Herk, don't forget, he's one that, um, have a look at JF Analytics on YouTube. He uh, did a full analysis of him. Uh, the striker who they'll look to sort of get the goals to, um, the Dutch striker. But um, Gijevic is next level player. He he will will be lucky if he's still here this time next season. In fact, I'm almost certain he won't be in Osvenskan. Uh, funnily enough, Steve, as we were recording, uh, a friend of mine who's an Arsenal fan texted me and said, is this player any good? And sent me a link and it was to Armin Gijevic. So uh, that's good timing there. And there's reports apparently that Arsenal are looking at him um and also manchester city so that's news to me to be honest that's breaking literally breaking today um but uh as i mentioned helsingborg are in a bit of a financial crisis at the moment and they probably will look to cash in on him they turned down a one million pound bid from reportedly wolves um but amien csk moscow fc copenhagen also looking at djivic he's one of sweden's best young talents without a shadow of a doubt uh, a young defensive midfield player um, just very nice technically, um, mature for his age, decent potential. Uh, yeah, he's um, a big, big player to watch out for. And, uh, you know, I, I hope he can stay for a season because I'd like to watch him a bit more, to be honest. But uh, I worry that he, you know, will be one of those who doesn't stay around very long in, in Osvenska. Sounds like may well have saved the best or last there with uh, Gijevic. So, uh, well, that's it. We've, we've completed the, the pre-season podcast. It's been an epic show, and we thank anyone who's uh, hung around for all of it. Um, but we very much look forward to the whole season, which kicks off on Sunday, the 14th of uh, June. And, uh, well, fantastic from you as ever, Jonathan. Uh, some great thoughts and previews there. And um, I hope you enjoy the, the new season. Yeah, and just to correct myself quickly, Gijevic is 18, by the way. He uh, he had a birthday in the period of time that I was doing this spreadsheet. So um, sorry about that. But yeah, he's uh, he's 18 now and, and ready to kick on. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. I think there'll be a lot of challenges. Um, some of the games will be not really affected because, you know, some games in Sweden, they don't have a huge amount of fans, do they? And some of the games will be massively affected. You know, who wants to see AIK Malmo or, you know, AIK Jurgården in an empty stadium? It's a, it's a big shame. But it's the world we're in at the moment and, um, you know, any football is good football at the moment. And, you know, it might give other teams opportunities now to sort of take advantage of that absence of fans. And um, I think the one thing for certain this year, Steve, is there's going to be uh, squads are going to get, you know, taken apart potentially, you know, when, when the transfer window opens. So it's going to open up opportunities for others and um, we might see a younger league in general. So, yeah, it's very exciting. I, I'm happy it's back finally. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to another year of covering it with you. Yeah, uh, Nordic Football Podcast as ever will be bringing you uh, regular episodes um, uh, discussing uh, the Swedish Alsvenskan League. So um, along with uh, Norway as well, of course. Um, give us a follow on Twitter at Nordic Football. Give Jonathan a follow on Twitter at JF Football. Uh, give me a follow on Twitter as well at Meatman Soccer. And uh, don't forget to check out our YouTube channel. 
um, hit that subscribe button. Uh, we've got a few things coming that way yeah, very soon. But uh, yeah, that's for, that's it from the season preview. Like I said, enjoy the, the campaign, my friend, and uh, we'll see you again next time. Goodbye. Bye, everyone, and thank you for tuning in.